problems are gonna happen. There's always some sort of little challenge or something to overcome. But really the more level-headed you can be with these things and just address them for what they are and try to get to that end point, that end goal, you're gonna do so much better. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. It is. Before we start, um, you always have, you, you know, do the clap thingy, mm-hmm. and I think you enjoy it. I do. Yes. I say action. So powerful. Yes. It helps our video editors. We've got three different cameras going on here. We've got a separate audio recording thing. So try to be pretty high tech here at the Turning Profit podcast. This is all Heather. Heather's the tech guru here. Oh, yeah. I set this all up. And if you believe that, um, I've got some underwater land to sell you. Yes. You remember we actually recorded podcasts. You didn't get the joke? Underwater land. Okay. Now I get it. (laughs) Sorry. I was on to my next slot. I guess so. Yes. Uh, Remember we've recorded episodes where... They actually didn't record, you know, like we did the whole thing and then we didn't have sound. We've done that a couple of times. Yeah. Two times. Yes. That's, and they were really good ones too, but Mm -hmm. they actually got better the second time. Right. I think there is something to be said for once you put it all out there and you're like, these are the things having said that, that I wish I had included Yes. or better explanation of something. I don't know. But you know what the the thing is like a couple of years ago, that would have really upset me. I would have been like really angry, Mm -hmm. not specifically at you. Incredible Hulk type thing where you're going to flip the table over or something like that. No, it would have like set off my day. Like I cannot believe we wasted a whole hour. And now I'm like, oh, well, it's not a big deal. Yes. And it does make things better sometimes doing it the second time around. Right. It's like when you go to a surgeon, you want them to have had, you know, done it before. Yeah. At least one time. Yeah. You want the surgeon that uh, has done thousands of surgeries instead of their first time that they've they've done that. You know, I, I saw this one thing that someone did a study where they took two two surgeons and just based off their looks, like the one that came in that looked like perfect, like really put together Hair was awesome. Clothing was designer, all this kind of stuff. And then the one that came in that like looking like maybe he also was a farmer on the side or something like that. And they said, if their training and their education is exactly the same, which one should you go with? And they said, you should go with the one that doesn't have, doesn't look as as polished Mm -hmm. maybe because that person's had to, had to work extra hard to overcome, you know, not looking exactly like people would expect to be. And they probably will be the more skilled one. I have no idea if that's it. it, I guess they did some sort of thing where they were like, yeah, this one has better success or something. But Hmm. well, that's there you go. Just my little. But I think that's that goes for a lot of things, even with land and like land real estate professionals, I guess, don't look like those Hollywood necessarily. Right. Because they're like focusing on a completely different thing. It's a whole different market mm-hmm. than those people that you see on million dollar lists. Yeah. Or you know, but. and even like that, the, I, another study was on how much did those people actually close that are on, I don't know if it was million dollar listing. I don't watch those shows, but one of those shows and like how much of those people actually close in transactions versus like just listing or just showing like on TV that Ex- they do a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I was like, how do I put that nicely? And it's, it's kind of like sad. Like they, it, a lot of them, it wasn't survivable wage. Like there's no yeah. way that that the real estate that they were actually making. So anyways, when I see real estate agents that are like way too polished, I'm like, no, you need to look frazzled. You need to be so busy that you, you know what I mean? Because you know the reality. If yeah. you're presenting is like super like, I'm like, mm, you have if, way too much if time. You're, yeah, if you're busy and you're doing a great job, you've probably 
you know, have a, have not much time for, for some of those details. Right. Anyways, me yes. and my fake eyelashes yes. here, like knocking other people. Um, well, what are we going to be talking about today? I have Heather? no idea. Normally you ask me that, but I, was, I know you're getting me okay. back on focus. Yes. Well, one thing that we are going to be talking about is problems in the real estate, in the land flipping business. Okay. Problems are something that happens on many deals. You mean like insurmountable problems, like problems that come up throughout, you know, all the transactions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're all not phases of a deal. Like Problems in the real estate world. No, no, none, okay, of, none of that general stuff. Like deal specific problems. Mm -hmm. So problems are going to happen. You know, it's pretty rare that a problem of some sort doesn't happen on each and every deal. There's always something. There's always some sort of little challenge or something to overcome. Right. And which is actually good because like that's where the, the money is, is in, in solving problems. And if like all this was so easy that literally anyone could do it that didn't have to put much effort into it, then everyone would be doing it. And then good luck. Like, that's why it's like I like being in industries where there's a little bit of a challenge because it's like the barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. The thing about it is that, you know, you just have to be as a land investor, you have to be good at solving these problems. Some of these skills will develop over time as you gain experience. And some of these things you can kind of shortcut by listening to this podcast mm -hmm. episode today. Right. You don't have to go through. I mean, that's the thing is that we've been in real estate for um, a long time, which is fascinating since I'm only 21 to have this many years of experience. Yeah, right. I started you, when Heather. I was like one. Yes, you were like three. And when did I marry you? It's OK. We don't need okay. to get into the math, but you either have to go through it or you have to learn from someone else's um, trials, I guess. And so we're going to be talking about all these things that we personally have gone through. And you're going to talk about when a problem that's solvable and a problem that you just need to walk away from. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get hung up on, this is a good deal, so I'm going to solve this problem, even if there's no solution to the problem. And then they waste time and money that they could have been putting towards actually making money. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When to recognize those ones that are simply not going to be solvable. Right. I think this could relate to relationships. It could be right. This yes. could relate to a lot of different. Heather's tried to fix me for 23 years, 23 and a half years now. Wait a minute. What? Huh? No, I mean, but I've known you longer than. Oh, OK. 24 years now. It was like 25 years yes. or something. <laughs> OK. It's trying. She, she's known me for a long time and hasn't been able to fix some of the issues that were evident from the beginning. Please, no. Non, they were non-fixable issues. So we're going to go through these all. And you need to keep them in mind when you, problems are good. And I think every single transaction has something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had one that's just been like nothing, ever. I'm sure it's happened, maybe. But it's pretty rare. I mean, there's always mm -hmm. different degrees of problems, right. too. There's, exactly. There's little challenges along the way. And then there's things that actually crop up that are real problems to solve as well. Right. And it could so. be as simple as um, like, oh, there was a delay in getting like we FedEx paperwork back and it doesn't get there on time. I consider that a problem. But that's really. Yes. There's a lot a problem. of problems yeah. like that that you don't even think about. You know, it's it's like anything, you know, when you see you read Yelp reviews or whatever, it, they, no one ever talks about smooth transactions or smooth right. stuff. No, it's always an issue. So you've got to think if there's an issue being noted, there's probably 5,000 or they're just as good or that are good. Yep. Before we get into this, mm -hmm. I do want to say as you gain experience and, and maybe some personality types are better th at this than others, but problems are not something to get, especially in the business you. world. Huh? Your personality is fine with that. I get worked up over. Right. Okay. Well. Business should be, and I have to remind myself of this too, business should be a non-emotional thing. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not something to get so worked up about. You know, problems are going to happen. The other side, potentially in a transaction, is going to do something which you view as wrong or mm -hmm. slight you in some way or, you know, all these things that come up. But, but the reality is this is, you have to keep your eye on the 
the goal. It, it's a business transaction to get it done. And any of this other stuff in between, there's no sense in getting worked up about it, getting your getting your heart rate up and feeling like you're gonna, you know, throw up. Yeah, throw up or keel over or, over these issues because they're not they're not that big. And I understand there's a lot of money involved in some thumb disease mm-hmm. deals and that complicates things. But but really the more level headed you can be with these things and just address them for what they are and try to get to that end point, that end goal you're going to do so much better. Right. Well, remember, it's not personal. It's like if someone it's cuts not. you off on the freeway, you might feel like it's personal because they looked right at you and they did it, but they don't know you. It's not like they know your name. They don't know what you do. They don't know where you go. They don't know anything about you. It's the same kind of thing with these transactions. When someone does something, they're probably acting from emotion themselves. It's not, it might feel directed at you, but it's not. And the most important thing I think that anyone in the real estate industry can remember is that the goal is to get it closed. You all are playing on the same team. Just a lot of people forget that. Like everyone's goal is to get it closed. And if it's not, then what the heck are they doing in it? True. Everyone, everyone involved mm-hmm. in the transaction. That's the buyer, the seller, the agents, the title company, everyone. Right. They so, want to see it closed. Right. So what, cause no one gets paid right. for the most part, unless that happens, right? right? All those people are dependent on that and repeat business. And um, the seller has probably already spent the money, even if it means in an, putting it into an investment, right? Or even putting it in, into their bank account, they've spent that money. It's going in that account. And you as the buyer, you have plans for it too. So you, so what do you do? Like you get into one of these situations and you want to respond like it's it's very upsetting you get some email what do you do like if what how can you make sure that your response and you when you're making directional moves what do you do well first of all you take a deep breath right okay no seriously this is what i'm looking for it it really and, and i know the first reaction and it happens to me too sometimes like oh no maybe getting angry for a second and thinking i can't believe they did that or i can't believe this i can't believe that honestly it's just simply about Considering the issue, taking deep breath, considering the issue, and then thinking of a way to get past that issue. First of all, is it a surmountable issue? Is it a fixable issue? Mm -hmm. If it is a fixable issue, okay, how do we fix it? What steps am I going to take to make this happen? Yep. As soon as we, on some that we're not, it's not exactly clear right from, like, we know we can figure this out, but maybe I'm just not in the mindset to figure it out right that second. You know, the last thing you want to do is respond to someone and say, you stupid, you Mm, know, whatever, how could you do this? Don't do that. You know, do not respond. And, And I think a lot of people forget that you don't have to respond to emails instantly. Step away for a sec and we go for a walk. And then we talk it out like, okay, what are our options? Can you think of any other option? Can you think of something I'm not thinking of? Okay, what should we do? And then we stop. We don't talk about it. And then we pick back up. And and normally within an hour, we figured it out. Right. And the stress is gone. We know the solution. We have a plan. Yep. That's a great, that's a really great point because I, I find myself sometimes, you know, wanting to respond quickly to emails and things like right, that. Right. And I do like that. I want right. someone to respond. I don't want to be waiting. But it's so true. You know, I've, I've thought about numerous circumstances over the past week where you have an initial reaction to something and maybe you start typing up an email and then you think, I'm just going to hold off. I'm mm-hmm. going to hold off until I've had a little bit of time to consider this. Maybe my initial idea of how to solve something is not the best, or maybe I'm going to have the wrong tone in responding to this that is going to be not productive. Mm -hmm. And uh, by taking that time, that solves so many issues. You're more clear-headed. You can take the emotion out of it much easier the the more time and distance you give from that and for your mind to actually process what's going on. And uh, it's just a general better result. Right. And sometimes you'll get another email back after saying, Oh, you know, sorry about that. We actually did this or or we came up with a solution. We've already implemented it or, you know, and it's like a balance. You want to keep things moving. And I hate leaving people without like waiting for an answer. 
especially if it's something stressful and, and I know that they're waiting for the response back. But on the other side, sometimes it is better just to say, I'm not in the mindset to answer this right now, mm-hmm. or this doesn't matter right this second. And I have these I want to take care of and I will get to that one. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. you know, I, I guess you could just say that too. If you, if you want to respond quickly and say, Hey, thank you for sending this. Uh, mm-hmm. g- give me a little bit of time. Let me, let me figure out the, the right steps here. With that in mind, let's talk about the different things, like different issues that come up. Want to learn the secret to building a thriving land flipping business? Head on over to landconquest.com and join over 2,000 passionate land flippers leveraging the power of community to scale quickly. Sign up for free at landconquest.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Let's talk about problems and, and yes, all the different problems. Right, and, and when to walk away. Right. And, and I think the other thing too is that, do you regret any you've walked away from that had a problem versus ones that you've said, you know what, I'm just going to do it anyways or whatever, and then they've turned into bigger problems? I think the ones that I've walked away from, after I walked away, I, I realized, hey, that's, I'm glad I walked away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I, I can't think of any of them that I wished I would have like not walked away from because, you know, there's always another deal around the corner. That's and, exactly it. And you want to do the easy deals. You don't want to get bogged down with all these deals that are just problem after problem after problem, complicated problems to solve. You want to do the easy ones. That's what you should be focusing on. Now, you have to go through issues with all these properties and things. But but when the issues become non-solvable or very, very difficult to solve, there's unless there's a huge amount of profit margin in them, a lot of times it's really not worth your time. If you're looking for maybe, if you're a really good problem solver and you enjoy it and you have the discretionary income that you can throw towards problems, you could really make a lot of money just specializing in certain niche problem properties access. There's a lot that you might recognize and say, well, I actually think I'd be really good at that. Maybe you have a lot of title experience or you're just, I don't know, something that like resonates with you. If you're willing to put in the time and the effort and, and the risk, because in those senses or in that type, I feel like that's gambling. It is. It is. If there's no clear path to solving the problem, if there's Mm -hmm. a chance, we talked about that before Mm -hmm. with specifically with the landlock property, should we hire someone that their only job is to fix these landlocked properties. We get so many potential deals, but they're landlocked and you can pick them up for a great price, but you have to sell them for a really cheap price. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense unless you can solve that problem. The problem is that some of them are not solvable. Some of them may be solvable. Right. You don't don't really know. No. And I bet that the more you got into that, you would get an inkling towards which ones Mm -hmm. or different tactics or what it normally would cost to pay off a neighbor or what have you. Our girls have talked about getting into that. They both like the research aspect and like that kind of puzzle thing. Both of them have said they liked that or obviously our older two and not a 13 year old. But I can really see a path for somebody who just does that. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast and you were a specialist in getting landlocked properties unlandlocked, yeah. uh, solving that issue, reach out to me, message me, and maybe we'll talk. Maybe there's some some sort of thing we could do. And then before we jump into this too, a lot of this information comes straight from that we're going to be talking about. We're going to go a little more in depth. comes from our training program. Yes. Why don't you explain that? Yes, too? it's called Land Conquest. And you can find it by going to landconquest.com. That is the hub for our community, which is also called Land Conquest. And it is our land flipping community where we have this uh, extensive training program in the land flipping community, which we are giving away, which we are giving access to for no charge. Did I say that right this time, Heather? Yep, you said that right. Okay, so it's we're giving the training program away for no cost, mm-hmm. not free. Well, we are giving away for free. It is but. free, but I just hate the word free, so. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's kind of an all-encompassing thing. We've got the community. We've got the training program. We also have regular Zoom calls that we do as well, where I share my screen 
break down deals. You know, you submit your deals. I look at them on my screen, show you how I evaluate properties and let you know if I think it's a deal or not. You know, and just try not to sugarcoat it. If it's not a deal, I tell you it's not a deal. Well, it's because we don't waste time and we don't want to waste your time, you know? So um, I'm on Pete to get a little more blunt, like, no. Yes, I need to be a little more blunt. I, I try to um, be too nice sometimes, maybe. Right, but no one needs that. No, no one I needs I mean, that, you have no. to be nice to me, but. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot into that. So if you've thought about learning um, all about land investing, it's 10 levels. 10 levels, See, I'm, I'm watching. You have, or you. I always call it I modules might. or something, and you have your things. I have yes. to call it levels because yes. it's kind of a cool theme. But where do they check it out? Just go to landconquest.com. There's also a link below this video if you're watching it on YouTube. Just click that link. Go over there. It just takes a second to sign up, and then you'll be in. As soon as you're in the community, then you can have access to the training program. What do they have to give to sign up? Because it, to me, I cannot stand it when I go, and it's like, you have to sign up. No, there's yeah. no cost, but you need your social security number, your driver's license, your mother's maiden name. No. And the, you, <laughs> no, you just have to sign up for the platform that it's on. It's like your name, your email, and I think there's a, a prompt to fill in a, a quick bio. Just like, hey, I'm, I'm here to learn about land investing. You know, whatever the whatever thing. You can, Are always, you you can say, always edit that stuff. Yeah, too, just so. say, give me land conquest. Yeah, sure. Say, give me land conquest. Yeah, that'll or be fun. Or you can say something like, Pete is the best. Pete is neat. I'll definitely let you in the community yeah. then. Pete is neat. He would. That's, that's <laughs> truth. Okay, so back to our thing. So how to deal with problems in your land flipping business. Mm-hmm. Problems, expect them. Pete writes me these notes. and Well, expect mm-hmm. them. You know, I, I touched on that briefly, but I would expect problems to come up. Mm-hmm. Because when they do ultimately come up, then it's not such a big deal, is it? Again, it's about working through it. So when a problem hops up, your first question is going to be, can I fix this or no? Right. That's it. Okay. So, and and they can happen in any phase of the deal. That's right. the big thing. Anywhere from the acquisition part. You want your yeah, own cheat sheet Yeah. Che- so che- like um, I've broken these down by just some stand, just some regular type of problems that come up. Now there's always, th- always things that come up that are outside the box, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. But these are typical type of problems that will come up during... Uh, a standard land flipping deal. So first of all, you've got the transaction side of, uh, you've got the acquisition side of things. And then you've got uh, the transaction part of that. And then you've also got the due diligence side of that. So two different kind of forks of, of things happening at the same time. So with the transaction itself, here are kind of some of the typical issues that can come up. You have title issues that come up. Now, uh, we purchase all of our properties through a title company. So they do what they call a title search on these properties. And then they kind of look for problems with the chain of title. Maybe something is recorded against the property that you had no idea, you know, uh, has has been recorded against the property. Could be back taxes that show up. Could be a lot of different things show up in this title search. Different owner. A different owner. And that's happened numerous times too. If someone said they own the property and then we are under contract to buy it and then they do the title search and they don't own the property at all. You know, you hear about that a lot in the news to people who are like selling properties that they don't own. Mm -hmm. And- it boggles my mind that this happens, but this is another reason why we use we have title insurance and why we use title mm-hmm. uh, company. And and I should say a closing company because sometimes it's yes, it's their job to verify that who is presented in front of them with a notary too. Right. So it's not like you're just passing a note across the table saying, "Okay, I now own this." Yeah, give me my money. Right, and and that's why due diligence is so important. I mean, that would be for the most part, a walk away situation, correct? Unless the owner that, I mean, obviously if if Joe is presenting and it's really owned by Bill and they don't know each other and, you know, the first guy is just trying to pull a fast one, that's like, it's not happening, right? Right. (laughs) But there's some situations where they have different names. It's the same person. You know, I go by Joe and it's really 
Billy Joe or whatever, or that's my brother, Sal. And yeah, he does want to sell and you verify that right. or. And a lot of times it's a, it's an error that you're dealing with an error for the property. It's not an that, error, like in, in yeah, writing, oh, it's yeah. an Someone, actual error. Yeah. An error mm-hmm. on the property. And they've been the one taking care of it. They've been the one paying the property taxes, but officially the title may still be in the deceased the, person's name. Correct. And so, so then you just go back through the will or the, you know, all that kind of process. Yeah, so different states have different procedures on that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those problems are fixable. Right. So it's not like an instant, you're not like, oh no, it's the wrong name. No, we can work through that possibly. Mm-hmm. But if it gets to that point where it's not, that's, that's an inst- that's like a huge red flag. You walk away. Right. Sometimes title problems uncover, th- title search uncovers things that are not fixable. You know, like one time we were notified that the title search came back and we looked on there and it said that the property had previously been registered as a dump site. So, yeah, the seller (laughs) casually forgot or forgot to mention that. Yeah. So and there was nothing indicating on site. I mean, they cover it. It's like they buried it. I'm sorry. They what? Buried. They buried it. I'm sorry. Uh, like strawberries, raspberries, what uh, kind of berries? It's, a, it's your Pennsylvania accent oh. coming up, buried it. Buried, is that not right? Buried it. Mm, okay. Anyways, Let us know in the comments which who's right. I'm right. I don't need comments to, to tell me that. Anyways, <laughs> it, you can't tell by looking at it. So that's why the title search is so important. Moving on because... <laughs> title problems. Some fixable, some not fixable. Hopefully there's a path to fix them. Obviously, if you see something on the title report and uh, you could see a clear path to fixing that... Or you can ask your title representative, your closing company representative, you know, like, hey, is there a solution? Do you see a solution mm-hmm. to fixing this? Or ask in the land conquest community. You know, we've got some a lot of experienced investors in there, even beside ourselves that are, you know, dealt with these issues many times. And they can let you know, you know, is this something that you should be, you know, walking away from or is it something that you could potentially fix? Right. So. You know, you bring up another thing. Ask your title rep. Mm-hmm. Ask the title, or I guess you'd be asking the title company, ask them, what does this mean exactly? Mm-hmm. Like if you don't understand something, a lot of things they can explain. A lot of times they'll say, no, you talk to your attorney, but a lot of it, they can at least point you in the direction to get the answers. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think a lot of, I, I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are timid to, or, or maybe they don't want to look like they don't know, look like they don't know what they're doing. But you know, we ask the title companies all the time, things that show up on these reports, like, what does this mean? You know, mm-hmm. because they put it in their cryptic language as well. So sometimes what they write, what's written on there is not really representative like, yeah. of what the actual issue is. So Yeah, we've seen some horribly racist stuff in title. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. So. And they'll put like a little disclaimer, like this was from the 1900s or whatever. And, you know, no one agrees with this. That's just what's in the thing. And you're like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, but I want to point out too something. We have learned an, a lot from escrow officers. There was one mm. that we had early on. And they're in California. They're, they're a neutral party. They're just there to kind of protect both sides and get it done. And this person never, you know, did anything like that broke that, but they were very instrumental in teaching us kind of the ways of all that kind of stuff. You yes. know what I'm talking about? Yep. Her name's Laura. Yep. Uh, Laura, I don't think she's with us anymore. No, she, she's, no. she's passed away, but she was um, just fantastic. And these resources, people look past a lot. You know, they, they want to help. And these people have done, uh, I don't even know how many of the most title escrow companies or closing attorneys have done. I, I, I'm fearful of even asking them. They probably have no idea. Tens of thousands. You know, many of these officers have right. been there for some time. Yeah. So. And they know what they're talking about and they're happy to, to share tidbits here and there. Right. So ask them like, hey, you're not asking them like, pick me, do something wrong. You're just saying, what does this mean? And wh- how do people normally handle this? You right. know, what do I need to look out for? There is no shame in asking questions. Honestly, mm-hmm. there really isn't. And people like I asking. ask questions all the time. Right. But people like sharing their knowledge. They do. They you do. know, I mean, unless you're going too far and you're like, 
I want to become a title rep and I'm going to open up a shop next door. Tell me everything. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, I don't yes. see anyone doing that. All right. So that's title things are, are a big thing to come up. The next thing I have on here is seller motivation problems. Now, I would put this general. Get up and get out of bed. You can do it. <laughs> yeah. No? No, okay. that's not what I had in mind. But I would put this in the category of a non-fixable issue many times. Right. And, and let, me, let me state it this way. When I say seller motivation problems, I'd say you're in a transaction and the seller says, no, I don't want to sell anymore. Or, but please, you need to sell to me. Right. Or I don't okay. want to sell. I do not want to sell. Do not do not contact me again. Okay. I got to give a caveat here because first of all, if you have a standard real estate purchase contract, whatever the state contract is for that state, you're using that contract for all of your deals, then actually you can force the seller to go ahead and sell if they sign the agreement. Now, it's generally a legal process. Mm -hmm. um, you'd have to sue them. You'd have to force. sue them to force them to actually sell the, mm -hmm. the property. But in all of our deals, or most all of our deals, we are using just a standard one-page simple purchase agreement. It gets a deal done, but if it really came down to it, a, a legal issue or something like that where we had to try to sue them to, to close on the deal, it probably wouldn't stand up. It so might, but, it might like, but, but also we that's not who we are. That's not who we are, yeah. So in this uh, situation, seller motivation problems, if, if a seller changes their mind or something like that, you can do your best to, to see like, hey, you know, what, what can we do to keep this deal together? Things like that. Maybe it's simply a, a money thing or maybe something has changed in their life or whatever. But a lot of times those issues cannot be solved. And, and honestly, if it gets to that point, I'm not the type that's going to try to talk them into something that they don't really want to do. I'm just going to move on to the next deal. And that's both. And maybe someone, you know, they decided they want to sell and then you know, as you get through the process, they're like, well, I want to sell it to so-and-so because they'll pay me a thousand dollars more, whatever the thing is. You don't know what the motivation is. Mm -hmm. You can go back and say, is it a money issue? What right. if I figure it out? But a lot of times it's maybe they just changed their mind and for, or a, a family member was like, I don't do it. You can't do this. Right. Yeah. Don't sell our family property. Uh -huh. You know, things like that ha happen sometimes. And it's like, well, and you can't, you, you know, you can't get past that. You can't get past it's that. It just yeah. is what it is. So, and also if in the initial thing, when you contact them, if they're like, I'm not interested in selling, leave me alone. I wouldn't go back to them and be like, yeah, say, yeah, leave them alone. Yeah, you know? alone. Yeah. Okay. So those are things that you try to get past if that's an option. And if not, you just walk away. Mm -hmm. What's the next thing? Mistakes, mistakes. Now this could be mistakes on anyone's part. It could be the real estate agent. It could be you. It could be the seller. It could be Give me an the title company. A mistake. Okay. Well, here's a story of a mistake that happened one time. And this kind of came to light during the resale transaction. But one time I used a title company and what they did was they prepared the deed and they messed up our company name. Mm -hmm. They messed up our company name. And a lot of times I, as the, as the buyer, you don't get to see the actual deed until after the transaction's recorded. Because you don't have to like notarize the purchase, for the most right. part, the purchase. The, the seller signs the deed. Right. The, or not, to notarize you. the deed mm -hmm. to us. Now it's part of our process that we review that. But in this case, the title company prepared the deed. They messed it up. They messed up our company name on it. The seller signed it. Everything was good. Transaction closed. We sent our money. Everything was good. Then when we went to resell it. Well, and also we don't get that deed back immediately. So it's not like yes. a lot of times they'll either mail it and that takes 
weeks because it goes to the county and then right. you think it should be instant. This should all be digital. It should be like, here's your digital certificate deed. It's yeah. not. Sometimes so, it is, but. Yeah. Right. But you know what I mean? A lot of times mm-hmm. it's not. And this wasn't one of those cases. So right. We get a lot of paperwork going back mm-hmm. and forth and everything. And, and I didn't review this deed when it came back. Anyhow. But why would you? Yes. I assume they did their job right. But they had in this one case, job. they did not. So what happened was that we we got it um, resold. We had a buyer lined up and they were ready to sell and went through half the transaction basically on the resale side. And then the title company is like, well, this name doesn't match up with your company name and everything. So I like that. That yeah. was like a cross. Like- it was like, oh, great. This problem. Okay. So how do we fix it? What ended up happening is I had to go back to the original title company and I said, hey, here's the problem. You guys messed up the name and everything. So how can you fix it? They're like, okay, well, we have to prepare a new one and then we have to contact the seller uh-huh. and coordinate a new signing with him and then get it re-recorded. It happened, but but the problem was the seller was away on a trip for a month and he was not being very cooperative. So it ended up delaying. Well, another uh, complication happened in that same deal. They actually messed it up a second time right, yeah. as well. And then they had to go through the whole process again. So mistakes do happen. Right. And, and there was no motivation for that original seller to do that. Right. They had already been paid and they were done mm-hmm. with it. And even the best of people are like, are you serious? Because now I have to come in. I have to notarize something. I have to make an appointment. It's an inconvenience. Right. So what do you do to mitigate that now? Well, I mean, we put procedures in place to try to review these deeds now before mm-hmm. they actually get signed. But, you know, things are going to come up like this and we'll, we'll continually try to improve our procedures along the ways to head off some of these issues that I never thought would be an issue. But in hindsight, you know, it's to be expected. You know, people make mistakes on things and it upset me because it delayed closing a lot. But but in reality, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't wasn't right. the biggest thing in the world. Right. So. Do you remember the time we bought a car and we randomly decided to check the VIN like before we drove off? Yeah. We got the paperwork, got to the car, we checked it and it was a totally different VIN number. Yeah, they put this, they were selling us a different car than they were actually giving uh-huh. us. Uh-huh. So maybe check that too. We do that now. Check the VINs. <laughs> yeah. It's these things you're like, why would I do, like, why would I do that? Why would I even think to do that? Well, it verify. That's that kind of thing like um, measure. Trust but verify. Trust but verify and measure twice, cut once. Yes. Everything that kind of keeps, not that I do much cutting or measuring for that matter. You're not a carpenter. I am horrible with, um, like I am notorious for buying things, thinking of buying like this huge thing and it'll show up and it's. Now I ask, Heather has to check with me first. Right, I have to have, it has to be verified. And I do that actually a lot of the business stuff too. I'm like, does this, when I'm doing something important, do I have everything right? I think that it's an important thing to have someone that kind of, you need someone that you can bounce ideas off of or thoughts or like we're talking about problems and you need somebody that can verify your work. All right, let's uh, move on to the next one. Uh, People problems. Boost your land flipping earnings with our new Land Conquest business system. It's designed for efficiency and effectiveness This cutting-edge software tool is your key to success in the land flipping industry. Streamline and automate your operations to scale your business to new heights. With our system, you get a customizable website with six professional templates to choose from, up to five dedicated phone numbers, each with their own chosen area codes for creating a trustworthy local presence. And as a bonus, you'll get a $25 credit for SMS and email sends. You'll also get access to our tech team to build any automations or customizations that you want. And not to mention, we've got a great dedicated community to the Land Conquest business system to help us all thrive together. And with every step of the way, you get our 24-7 live chat support. 
But that's not all. You'll also gain access to our exclusive community to connect and grow with fellow land flippers. Seize the opportunity to transform your business. Visit software.landconquest.com to check out the Land Conquest business system and unlock the next stage of your land flipping success. Now, real estate is kind of a people business in a way. There's lots of people involved in the transaction. There's a seller, there's a buyer, there's the closing company, there's the agents, the buyer and the seller agent. Sometimes there are other vendors that get involved with the process. You know, sometimes if you're getting there's a test 10 sellers. Yes, yeah, sometimes there's 10 sellers. And that's how that happens, uh, you know, here and there, especially on these properties that are inherited. You know, basically all the all the heirs get a piece of the property and they've all got to agree to it and they've all got to sign. So there is a lot of moving pieces and there's issues that come up when you've got people issues. Now, a lot of these people issues can be fixed. Sometimes emotional things that come up, you know, something may crop up or, or there's a, a decision that needs to be made and the other side may not react the way that you want them to react. And then there's this emotional, suck. yeah. I'm just kidding. See, <laughs> there's this emotional clash, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. And by taking a, a deep breath on both sides, uh, sometimes you can come to a common ground and get through these problems. Obviously, you know, you're dealing with all types of temperaments. Some people are very volatile. Some people are very even keeled. It's a relationship thing. And the better you are at dealing with those relationships and kind of being the traffic cop in the middle and just trying to keep things going in in the right direction, the better off you'll be. But a lot of those people things can actually be solved. Right. I think um, something that I refer back to is that a lot of times land, even if you don't have value in it, meaning you don't want to keep it, it still might have sentimental value. And so a lot of people are working through, I don't want this land. This is something that we're paying taxes on, but this was great grandma and grandpa, blah, blah, blahs. You know what I mean? That's a weird last name. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you haven't met them? They're great people. <laughs> it's important to remember that there's, you know, there's that, that emotional stuff working through to any type of real estate. Even if you're ready to sell a house that, you know, maybe you raised your kids in it, you're done. There's still that weird, you know? Yeah. So if you consider that, again, it goes back to it's not personal. Think of just keep the goal in mind, but you might reach, or you might be working with some people that it truly is not worth working with. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, if they're going to be a pain in the butt for whatever reason, and they're emotionally draining you, or they're taking up all your time and the reward might not be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it, it's good to cut your losses. And it's okay to do that. This is just not, I mean, unless you're in contract and you have to, you know, <laughs> but before you get to that part. So, okay. So due diligence is another big category of things that can happen problems that can arise in the acquisition process. So one of the things that that happens sometimes is property red flags, you know, and when I say a red flag, I mean issues that can't come up that may or may not be surmountable, may not be fixable. So these would be issues on the site. Like say for instance, like the dump, like the dump issue, just messing with you, (laughs) like drums of some sort of toxic waste on the property, just unknown. it doesn't, I don't even care what's in those drums. We're not buying. Right. It. I mean, it's potentially a solvable issue. Mm-hmm. Potentially it's a, it's a very expensive issue to solve. So you've got to make that call. Like, is this something, something we could do uh, something with or not? Right. And maybe if you're on the ground there and you know how to test, we're not, you might be an expert in, in yeah. fixing that, those type of issues, you know, and then you've got stuff like, oh, maybe there's a bunch of trash on the property. That's potentially a mm-hmm. solvable issue if it's, you know, not going to cost you too much to remove the trash. Mm-hmm. Or if the, you know, maybe there's a bunch of tires, but you could sell it cheap enough that the, the end buyer wouldn't care. Right. Or, you know, someone who can haul that and recycle them and it's not a big deal. 
potential, you know, on-site type issues, these property red flags, you have to deal with them on a case by case basis. Some of the issues are worth dealing with. Some of the issues are things that you need to walk away from. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them can be fixable and you can keep the deal together. So you just have to kind of make that call and and know your limitations, monetary and just um, time, energy. Yep. It's okay to walk away. Yep. So other problems that can happen, this is kind of a common one, coordinating with vendors. And I have photographers kind of mentioned here because- They flake. Yes. Uh, you, you work with some good ones. Mm-hmm. You work with some ones that just don't get it. You know, I've when I first started, I remember I had this guy that just, I hired the wrong guy because I didn't have- a lot of options in that particular area. So he's calling me. He's like, you know, every 10 minutes, like asking me all these questions. He get out, gets out to the site. I can barely hear him because his cell phone reception's bad. He's like, is it next to this telephone pole or is it here? You know, like I'm like, you're supposed to be have figured all this out ahead of time. You know, so I'm trying to describe to him. And so we get through all this stuff and then I get the pictures back and it's completely wrong property. Issues like that will happen. So dealing with vendors, you're going to have a lot of moving pieces like that. That goes back to building up the right team. Right. If you're going to localize or specialize in a local area, you need to have the right team. And that might be a reason not to sell or buy in that area if you truly can't build the team. Because now that you have a good team of people, that's not really a consideration. Right. So that type of stuff. And also they're artists. Photographers are artists. Some of them. Yeah, some of them. But I mean, I think that there's a creativity that comes from that regardless. I like taking pictures. I'm not an artist, so I get what you're saying. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them, it is kind of that artist mentality. So you want to find an artist mentality that also is a business person. Yes. And that has common sense. Thank you very much. Common sense. Yes. (laughs) Very important. It's a piece of land with no house on it. And then you'll get a property back pictures with the house on it. You're like, yeah. Okay. Neighbors. I have neighbors down here because neighbors are neighbors are an issue sometimes. And many times neighbor issues are insurmountable. They are who they are. If you get some sort of indication that they are going to be a real pain to every single potential buyer that you send out to the property, maybe it's an insurmountable issue that you you don't want to deal with. Well, here's the deal. So this piece of land has been next to my house for 20 years. It's been empty. No one's ever used it, right? I know I don't own that land, but it like is part of my property, (laughs) right? Like my house is here. I have this land and then this other land here. We have been using it for Easter egg hunts. We've been doing other things on this land. It's not mine, but it's it's mine, right? And then you show up on my land, right? And you're like, I'm gonna buy this land. I'm like, get the hell off my land with a gun. That happens. That that's a that is a real thing yes. that happens. I don't understand it in the sense of logical thinking, but I do understand it in the sense that like they feel this is their land. Right. Or it's like the community's land because no one's ever done anything right. to it, even though they know they don't own it. And people don't like change. No, so. no. And because they imagine you're gonna put a skyscraper there, right? <laughs> it's gonna be a skyscraper and you're going to have like raves on the oh, weekend. Yes, raves. It's yeah. gonna be crazy. But these people will defend their land that's not their land with guns. Mm-hmm. That to me is the red flag. If mm-hmm. someone's showing up with the gun, I'm like, we're out. Mm-hmm. That's insurmountable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes neighbor issues can be smoothed over, but sometimes they cannot. So you have to make that determination. So also undisclosed issues from the seller. This comes up kind of in the due diligence side. Could be something that, you know, we, we have a standard list of questions. We ask them kind of general things and more specific things as well. But we ask them sometimes like, you know, are there any other problems with the problem? Like, oh, big open-ended questions, you know, like, are there any other problems at the property that we should be aware of? And uh, sometimes they're honest with you. Sometimes they forget about some of these Mm -hmm. potentially major issues. Now, could be something like every time it rains, this place turns into Niagara Falls, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you can't see that, uh, you know, maybe without that, but it's undisclosed. And when you figure out some of these issues, obviously it's something you have to determine whether you can fix or you want to fix or want to move on with or not. So. Severe flooding is not going to be something you can fix. Right. Now, next category of problems would be marketing. So there are issues that can come up on the marketing side. This is after you actually own the property and you're trying to sell it. The big problem that can come up is it, the property is not selling. So, I mean, the goal is to sell the property. And mm-hmm. if it's not selling, that's a problem, right? Right. Also, even just listing it. Yes. You might not be able to find a broker. That, or yeah, a even before you get to that point. Yes. Right. So we just identified multiple things. These are surpound, surmountable. Fixable. Fixable. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, surmountable, I guess, is, is a good term as well. Just to kind of go through these this category a little bit more quickly. But, mm-hmm. but you know, problems that can come to the surface that you didn't know about during marketing. You know, for instance... A buyer will come forward and say, do you know that this property, you know, has 20 people buried here or, you know, I don't know, some sort of mm-hmm. some sort of thing may come up or they're like, did you know that, you know, and that those types of things that come up sometimes like you did all your due diligence and someone will bring something to your attention. And then that thing that they bring to your attention is normally a negative And it'll mean that you've probably got to reduce your price in order to overcome that issue Mm. and actually sell the property. It's really fun when they bring that problem and then they bring an offer. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Interesting how that works sometimes. Yeah. And then obviously we talked about this neighbors causing problems during the marketing period. They won't let your buyers access the property. They harass potential buyers. It's hard to sell a property that way. Then you tell them, sure, you buy it. Yes. It's the weird thing is they don't normally want to buy it. No, they don't have the money to buy it. Uh They don't want to buy it, but they want to control it. Uh And they don't want you. Yeah, you can't sell it. Best of both worlds. Yes. Next thing, agents not doing their job. So happens. this happens sometimes on both sides. Like you might have an amazing agent on your side handling the sale, but the buyer's agent is just a complete. Right. So, you know, typically agents not doing their job would be like, maybe they're not calling people back. Maybe their, their marketing is not, uh, good. You mm-hmm. know, they have one picture in the MLS. I've had that happen before. And it's blurry. One pic- yeah. yeah. One picture in the MLS. I provided all kinds of professional photos and this, this agent put in one picture. And I've seen somewhere they don't even put it, the location right. Yeah, they, they get that that wrong as well. Yeah, that, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So it could be errors in the property description as well. You know, like they describe the property incorrectly. Do you or someone on the team review every listing once it's posted? I do. I do. Yeah. I, I need to be more regimented about it, but I do. Just to make sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, the funny thing is that you can even ones that like it's not necessarily just the agent's fault. We've had it before where you've entered something, done all the pictures perfect, and it pulled. Yes, this just happened yeah. with the house we're renting. But I put in all the pictures and I ordered them and everything, and then we're like, "Why isn't you know why aren't I getting any calls?" And then Heather's like, "The first photo that's showing up is the bathroom," and it was like not my like I was like, "Why is this bathroom?" And I know you're meticulous, so it's not about saying that the agent did a wrong. It's a, it's about okay it's having that. I made a mistake. Yeah, but I, I, I doubt you actually put it in the order and chose that as the... I, I can't see that happening. You've inputted a million listings. Not That's an exaggeration. I can't see that happening. So even the... It could be any agent could do that. But that's why you have to go back and you have to check. And then also those, you know, they have those, whatever those things where it's like it imports to other. Yeah. And those ones then you have Syndicates. to go and, Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's just computers, you know, so they might pull something. Maybe they have artificial intelligence that really thought that, that bathroom picture was going to sell. Yeah. Or rent it out. But mistakes happen on the marketing side. Most mm-hmm. of the most of the marketing type of issues can be solved. 
You know, if the property's not selling, one of your biggest levers that you can pull is the price. Right. That's the number one thing. You don't want to chase it to the bottom. So you yeah. need to have some sort of thing. The other thing for any problems with this, ask in our community. Because Definitely. if you're experiencing it, I guarantee you someone else has. And they probably have a story, a wild story. But they also know a solution. What worked? Yep. Maybe and a creative solution. You know? Exactly. You know, you offer seller finance. Like it, there's a lot of things that you can do. But you're right. The number one thing, it's price. If you're going to talk about anything, it's it's always going to be price. Price is where, where it's all at. It's the biggest lever when you're selling a property. Price, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously, we all think our properties are worth more. You know, generally, we, we think it's worth more than maybe it actually is. But it's it's human nature. Right. So. Okay, then we got the resale side. Resale is kind of like the, the home stretch of, mm-hmm. of a, you know, land flipping deal. This is when you're under contract to actually buy the property and kind of running towards the finish line. No, sell it. Oh, to buy this, sell the property. You're right. Did I say buy? Yeah. Okay. I was like, no, no, we're not doing another mistake. Then, you know, all kinds of problems can come up on this resale side. Now, for instance, if the buyers are getting loan, sometimes there's problems with them getting the loan. You know, it could be they don't pass underwriting or their credit's messed up or they bought a car during the process when they, you know. Opened a new credit card. Opened a new credit card. Or just we're in a weird period right now. It can be that the lenders have just changed or they're not doing it. Right. You know, at the beginning of 2020, there were people that were in escrow to buy houses that they said, we're just not doing loans right now. Yeah. So it might not even be the fault of the buyer necessarily, um, but also buyers do weird stuff because they just don't know any better. Yeah. And each lender is different. So mm-hmm. sometimes buyer loan issues can be fixed. Sometimes they can't. You know, sometimes the solution is them putting more of a down payment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the solution is them finding a different lender. Sometimes the solution is them getting a co-signer that can help. And sometimes it's you putting money in. Yes. If you want to just get the deal. Were you just going to say that? uh, Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And we just did that. We just did a large. uh, I I didn't tell Heather about this yet, but we did a large. I knew from the beginning we did a very large seller credit in order to make this deal work. So, But I knew that from the start. Well, guess who doesn't have any spending money? Pete's, um, what's it called where you get every week? Allowances now. Mm -hmm. What What would I spend my allowance on? I don't even know. So these are the types of things, you know, other things that come up, people problems. You've got the title company, you've got the other agent, you've got the buyers. Uh, All types of people problems can come up. Generally, those can be resolved if you are good at dealing with those types. Well, if it's a resale situation, you've got to find a solution. And the absolute, to me, worst case scenario is that we donate the property and we get some sort of tax credit. I guess that's I guess that's some sort of solution. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you, you can only lower the price so far. Are you donated or oh, <laughs> generally I mean, we've never had that no. happen, but if I, you do your due diligence and you're a problem solver, who's not going to give up, there's normally some sort of solution. There's a solution. There's a solution. We've also got paperwork issues. You know, you know, someone messes up the paperwork, like, like we talked mm-hmm. about with the deed, there could be title problems. Now, even if you got entitled uh, a title insurance, there could be something that was missed on the initial, uh, title search. Now, in a situation like that, those can generally be corrected because you would go back to the initial title company and say, hey, you know, here's a problem that was uncovered. Is this actually a problem? Sometimes someone will flag one issue. It'll get kicked back to the other title company. The other title company will then explain to the next, the new title company, why that's not an issue that they thought it was. So, you know, there's some of this back and forth that happens sometimes, but generally those can be solved. And that's a them problem. You've got the title insurance. As long as it falls within those parameters, you're covered. Right. Now you're only covered up to the actual purchase price that you purchased the property for. Say for instance, you buy a property for 50,000 and you're selling it for a hundred thousand. 
you're only insured up to 50,000, even if you already had it under contract for 100,000 and you were going to make all this profit, you know, sorry. Right. And and the reason for that is that they're normally priced by the cost of the property. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're buying and you're pretty much just buying insurance for a set amount of money. Right. I don't know if there's any way where you could increase. I think that that's just a hard limit. Yeah, I think so. And then timing type issues. Sometimes, you know, it could be like the FedEx UPS type thing. Mm-hmm. You ship something and then it gets lost by them or it, we've uh, had that. there's a couple other things in that paper mm-hmm. before you took it away from me. Oh, sorry. No, but we've had where a FedEx package like literally just disappears. Yeah. Disappeared. And because the, they'll say, oh, no, we delivered it. And they'll, sh- you know, they do the picture and it's like, that's not even that. No one knows where that is. Yeah. Who is um, this person? Right. <laughs> and so then we have to go back and get it all re-signed and. It just is what it is. And, you know, instead of getting pissed off at FedEx or UPS or whoever that was, it was just like the energy goes towards just getting it resigned. Yeah. Okay. And we got to we got to sign this paperwork again. We're going to send it out. It's, you know, it is. It what sucks. It is. By the way, well, you know, everything, everyone getting things done when they're supposed to. This is like, uh, you know, there's timelines that are involved with these transactions. Right. And sometimes people are not responsible and they don't get things done when they're mm-hmm. supposed to. And that just happens. And it so. is what it is. Yes. Uh, but that also is if you're going to go into this like full time, this is going to be your or not even full time, but this is going to be something that you're going to be doing. It's about building that team. You're going to know quickly, like, do we still use that one title rep that could not get our. No. Right. I mean, you have one job. Like, I mean, I guess it could be a fluke, but twice Mm. that literally is that person needs to have a checks and balances. And they kind of works in the same thing as banking is that there's always two hands kind of there, you Mm -hmm. know, and title normally has the same kind of thing. You'd have someone else that would, you know, the escrow officer would be checking the work of the escrow assistant. It's not, or title or whoever it is, table closer, the attorney's office would have the same kind of thing. So you find the right team. So let's talk about some fixable. Yeah. These are just general things. you know, kind of wrapping it up fixable, you know, could be potential title problems or sometimes fixable people problems. Most of the time are fixable errors and oversights by agents, title companies, you, mm-hmm. et cetera. These can generally be fixable legal issues. Many times that they can be fixable or worked out in some mm-hmm. sort of way, non-fixable things, uh, you know, the seller motivation issues uh, that's, that's generally in that category of a not, not fixable it's thing. It's force them to perform. That's what it is. Yeah. You, would, you would take them for, you yeah. know, to perform not worth yeah. it. Some title problems are not fixable. You know, they just simply are not fixable. Many red flag property due diligence issues are not fixable. Or if they are fixable, it would be very, very cost prohibitive and just not worth it. Due diligence issues, you know, some of these things that come up during, during your property due diligence search may not be fixable. For instance, you call the county and they say, oh, this is a non-buildable lot. And you bought, you're buying it with the intention that it's buildable. And that's a non-fixable issue. And that is, I, I think a lot of places people don't realize that that's a real thing. Because mm-hmm. some areas, there's no rules really. No. You might live in a place where there's everything is buildable. Yeah. I mean, like every inch is buildable, but there are places where that's not the case. So you need to know. And then neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Many times those neighbors, you're not going to change those neighbors. No, they either will try to block access. They'll do something weird with guns. They'll actually like fence it off. They'll come scream at people. They'll tell crazy stories that are not not truthful about the property. If someone has that much time and they're out to do it, I would just walk. Yeah. It's sad. I feel bad for the seller. But it is what it is. Yep. And then just a couple of quick statements that I put here. Recognize quickly whether an issue is something that can be solved or it has a low probability of working out. So you don't want to waste your time with these issues if they're going to be a major problem and it's just going to be a headache for you. Mm-hmm. So move on quickly from those non-fixable issues. It's simply a waste of time. And energy. Yes. You know, and money. Put your money towards something that has a much better chance. I mean, Yeah, chance of working out. That's right. So fixable issues do take effort, knowledge, Mm -hmm. patience, 
and the willingness to make a bold move sometimes to fix it. But you just have to decide whether it's worth it or not. I am pulling up some questions. Oh, question time. Are you looking for funding for your land flipping deal? Then head on over to partnerwithpete.com. It's an innovative new funding program where we split the profits with you 50-50, but we take it one step further and we handle every other step of the process in the land flipping business. Yes, that means we handle all the due diligence. If the property needs any value add like clearing brush, perk test, survey, we'll get that paid for up front. Then when the property resells, we split the profits 50-50. There is absolutely no downside for you as an investor. If we lose money, we don't pass that on to you. But when we make money, when we make profit, we split the proceeds 50-50. So as a recap, we handle every part of the process. We split the profits with you 50-50. There's no downside for you as the investor, only upside. So go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and we'll get it checked out within 24 hours. So these questions are all pulled from our Land Conquest community. All you need to do in order to find that community is go to landconquest.com. If you're not a member yet and you're listening to these videos about land flipping, I certainly highly suggest that you go over there and kind of check things out. And you'll, I think you'll gain a lot. Just, you know, even if you're going to read questions and responses and look at the training program and everything, I, th- I, think it's, um, I think it's worth your time. If you're interested enough to actually listen to this, either on the podcast or watching the video, go over there and check it out. I wonder how many people are do like, I only do podcasts. You watch videos. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's interesting. I watch video podcasts. Like if I'm going to, I mean, unless I'm driving, obviously I'm not watching YouTube. Hope but. so. <laughs> so almost your car could almost do that, huh? Yeah. Um, okay. So this one, I'm, I'm going to say a little slowly because it's like really small and I can't enlarge it for some reason. Anyways, yeah. Larry says, Oh, this is a good segue. Okay. Larry says, just finished the, the course. I've taken several courses and this one stands out because of the detailed action Pete takes to be successful. Other courses give you the basics, but you have to pay for the details. Take advantage of this. Mm, okay. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate yeah, Larry. it. I guess it's no question, but, um, <laughs> but I just want to highlight that, that I'm not the only one that says it's a good program. I like it. I mean, I didn't write it, so I can say that. Yes. Right? Thank you, Larry. I appreciate that. Appreciate it, Larry. That is something that I'm hearing a lot of. I hear a lot of it too, but I don't want to toot my own horn, you know. Bergen or Bergen, I'm sorry if I'm messing up your name. Uh, It says, seller wants to sell part of land they just inherited. I have a seller who wants to sell the four acres that they inherited of a four acre piece of land. Is this a common thing to happen? What is the upside for me as an investor to buy part of a property? I doubt I'll go forward, but I am looking to gain knowledge. Yeah, so this this comes up every once in a while. Sometimes it'll be a large property, and typical scenario would be a large property, maybe twenty acre property, and there's a house in the corner. You know, so this we'll talking to the seller, they're like, "Well, you know, we want to keep the house, but we have no need for all this property." So in a situation like that, you know, depending on where this property is located, sometimes it's easy to split off those, you know, mm-hmm. the house from the rest of the property. And by easy, I mean you just hire a surveyor and then you just record it at the county. So if you're in an area where something like that is pretty simple, then and if you can work out a deal with the people, then it's definitely a viable option. I mean, it simply comes down to the numbers. You know, you have to decide who is going to pay for the survey, who's actually going to spearhead kind of that project. But, um, you know, we've we've done uh, a number of deals like that, and they generally work out to be kind of win-win situations because they typically are not savvy that they're going to do that process themselves. Mm -hmm. So if we're actually able to help them so they don't have to worry about the rest of that property, but then they can retain the house, they can get some cash as well, 
it's kind of a, a win-win scenario. It's so. something like they've considered, like we don't need this land. Maybe it's a pain to have to maintain, but there's no way that we could figure out how to do this. Right. There's been other situations where we've been presented with like, okay, there's 10 of us that own this 20 acre property. I want to sell you my shares. No. <laughs> yes. Would you do that? No, never. So yeah, we have that. People ask us that all the time. Like, okay, I own a, you know, one-tenth interest in this, you know, 20-acre property. Would would you guys buy that? Well, like, that wouldn't make any sense. Why would we, you know, be a co-owner with all these other people that we with we your, don't with know? With your family? Then, then we, yeah, then what are we going to do with it? We have our own family. We want yeah, to know. Yeah, so if we go over to this property, like, would people even let us on there? I mean, just to, just kind of absurd. Don't okay. do those deals. <laughs> no, but I mean, that is actually pretty common. And it goes, you know, when it keeps getting... Um, yeah, exactly. With, with inheritance and, and the next generation, you can end up with, you know, I don't even know how many people. You could have a huge amount of people owning land. You do not want to be a fractional owner no. with someone else's family. No. Anyways. Okay. So uh, Peter, great name, has mm-hmm. um, a deal funding question. Hi, mm-hmm. question for Pete. I have completed several quite profitable but not expensive transaction averaging in the 250 to 300% ROI. And I would be interested in a deal funding for the land acquisition in the higher price ranges. Could you be specific? How would it work? At what point the seller would be receiving the money? Whose name is on the deed? What happens in the event the land would not be selling for a prolonged period of time, etc.? Best, Peter. Yeah. Okay. So these are all good questions. So he wants to know and about what R. Pete is, yes, he's mm-hmm. talking about the partner with Pete program. Peter is asking about the partner with Pete. Yes. Hold on one second. Peter's last name is um, labor. So it's not you asking. Oh, okay. It's not. <laughs> just want to point that out. Okay. But I did select this for, for very particular reason because oh, sure. I do want to highlight one of the, and we did a the last week's podcast episode was all about how to buy properties without any money out of your own pocket. Right. And so this is a solution that. that we have come up with in order to solve that problem. So it's called partner with Pete. And if you find it, you can find the details by going partner with Pete. Com. There'll be a video of me on there kind of explaining the process and also some bullet points and a form to fill out. And essentially what it is, is you bring the deal. Mm-hmm. So you find the deal and however you do it, you direct mail or you're texting or, you know, whatever the case may be. You find a deal, you get it under pro- contract with the property owner. We look at the, you submit it to us. We look at that deal and say, okay, this is a deal that we can partner with you on. Basically, I'll make the quick determination like, okay, this is a good deal. Let's, let's do it. And then what happens is we take it over from there. So the deal gets assigned to us, but we also fill out paperwork. Uh, we do a deal funding agreement, meaning that we do everything. We buy the property, like we send our own money to close on the deal. The deed goes in our name because we're sending the money for it. We do all the marketing. We do all the transactions on both sides. We do all the due diligence, pay the photographer to get out there. If there's any value add things, we do those. We do everything. But there's other people that have f- that fund deals. Right. But we wanted to offer a complete solution right. so that you are getting like way above just getting the deal funded. You're going to use all of our resources because like we've talked about that, like right. building up this team. We have a team. Right. So we then let you utilize this whole team. Go ahead. And we can solve problems like we went through in this uh, particular episode. Uh, So anyhow, what we do then at at the end of the day, when the dust settles, all the profits are then split 50-50. You get paid directly from the closing escrow. You know, like we don't get all the profits sent to us and then we pay you out some of it or whatever. No, it all gets sent directly to you, your portion of the profit. Directly to you from escrow. And our portion of the profit gets sent to us directly Mm -hmm. from escrow as well at, at the resale closing. 
So, you know, the, the kind of big points of that are is that you get the property under contract. That's your main job. Submit it to us for us to review. If it's a deal that we are interested in going forward with, we'll let you know right away. And then we send you some paperwork to fill out. And then you're pretty much uh, you don't have any other further responsibilities in the deal. Uh, another part of that question is like, well, what if this takes a long time? We don't have any sort of time limit. Like, say the property takes a long time to sell, like a, a year or something like that would be a really long time. Uh, you're still going to get your 50 percent split of the profits at the end of the day. We're not going to at some point say, yeah, you, you know, you, you get nothing. You get nothing. No, we're not. We're not like that. And I don't I, I don't agree with that. So anyhow. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty simple. You know, this, the seller gets their money just like they would in any other transaction. As soon as you bring us the purchase contract and we're going to move forward with this, this funding arrangement, uh, we just kind of take the baton and go through the closing process as normal. They get paid, you know, right at closing as, as if you were buying it, but you're not spending your own money to actually buy it. Okay. And where do they find more information? Partnerwithpete.com. Be there, be square. Yes. Okay, so the next question is from John. He says, the deal evaluation Zoom call. Are the Zoom calls repeated and played again on the YouTube channel or on the podcast? Question mark. It sounds like it would be valuable, but unfortunately, I work. I still work full time, so that would be great to listen to uh, a repeat. Thanks, and thumbs up. Okay, yeah, so the deal evaluation Zoom calls. We don't really talk about this much. Well, no. In the community, we do, but we do regular Zoom calls where basically... It's uh, we look at your deal. So we aside from funding or anything like that, it's, oh, yes. it's just a very casual. You present Pete a deal. Yes. And Pete takes that deal as if he had that deal and he goes through and he evaluates it to the full extent that he would evaluate that initial kind of look. Over. Yes. Yeah. So I share my screen and I'm looking at everything I would look at on this property. We look at the map. We talk through all the different features of that property. We talk about. You know, maybe what's desirable, what's not desirable about it. And we try to figure out what it's worth. What would the property be worth to resell it? And then kind of quickly crunch the numbers, see if it's a deal or not. And then I just give you my opinion on that. So we allow, you know, everyone in our community, they get a link to a form where they can fill out ahead of time, kind of some, you know, give the details of the properties they want me to check out. And we just go right down the list and and check them out. But I've heard from many people that it's been very valuable to understand how to evaluate properties. Yeah, it's kind of like being inside the brain when you're doing it. Yes, I do. um, I do would want to point out to everybody that they should get in on watching these um, as soon as possible, because they will be transitioning into a premium product. Yes. Yeah. At, at some point, we'll probably, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, 100% sure on what the format of that is going to be. But, you know, maybe the live calls will be live and then the recordings will be available in the mentorship program or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll figure that out. Okay. Heather will figure control it out. Control your life. Yes. Uh, control your time. And where do they, where are the replays right oh, now? Oh, right now they're in the, in the Land Conquest community. Okay, so, so just go to landconquest.com. Yeah. Give us your social security number, your mother's name. No, I'm just kidding. It's just like your name and, you know, you're joining a community. Yes. And then that is where you can actually find the Land Conquest course, the videos. Training program. Training program. Oh, my gosh. And I did it. Yes. Larry and I, we just yeah. can't get it together. And where can they find you online, though? Where are you hanging out Oh, these okay. Days? Well, you know, I'm working a lot on my social media. So you can find me on Instagram at Reese Peter. And if you have a better idea for an Instagram name that's available, let me know. DM me. Uh, also on uh, YouTube, we're, mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of content on YouTube. All these are posted on YouTube as well as uh, our in- monthly income reports are posted there. So definitely check out on YouTube. Just It's at Turning Profit on YouTube. And then turningprofit.com 
is also kind of our central hub for our podcast here. On that site, we also post those monthly income reports I was talking about. Every month, I spend a lot of time. In fact, this past weekend, I spent like the whole weekend mm-hmm. doing this. Um, we do a, an extensive report. I think I, I, I uh, totaled it up as something like 6,500 words or something like this. Oh, it's, yeah. You, were, yeah, you it's crazy. me so like. It's very, very extensive. Mm-hmm. And when we do a lot of deals, it's, it's like gets longer and longer. So in those reports, basically, we go through like what was the revenue for that month? What was the profit for that month? How many deals did we do? And each individual deal, like what do we buy it for? What do we sell it for? How much profit did we make? How many days did we held, hold it for? And a bunch of the story on each property. Right. It's things that were noteworthy or, or problems that came up or different right. situations. I think those are really uh, super important for people to see kind of an in-depth, like from start to finish, every kind of thing that went on there. Yeah. And, and what's possible? You know, mm-hmm. like what types of deals are being done? Like how much are you buying these properties? for how much you selling them for you know what types of properties they are all kinds of how long you held it how long you held it for Mm -hmm. you know so it's full transparency there so you'll see exactly what's going on and so um those are on turning profit turningprofit.com and then turning profit on youtube yep turning profit Um, and then there is um land conquest which is the community and the course yeah and then they can find program training program man I'm just failing today. And then find you on social media at Reese Peter. Reese Peter, yeah. Yeah. But Instagram, probably the, the one pay the most attention to. You on threads yet? I am on threads. You using it? I did post one thing of our dog. Picture um, of our dog. Yeah. No one knows what to use threads for right yeah, now. Yeah, I'll figure it out though. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna do deal breakdown threads in there. But I need to have time to organize that. I think that sounds good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited about that community. I mean, it's a meta. It's like a Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, okay. Uh, I'm at It's a Lovely Life, but I don't really talk about real estate. So, okay. but you're welcome to just say hi. Okay. Well, good. If you want to follow Heather and all of her travels. There you go. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but anyways, this was a really great episode and we look forward to seeing you all next week. We'll see you then. Bye. All right. Thank you. Ready to start turning profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.